Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good morning to all of you. Thank you, musicians, worship leaders, for the wonderful time of uh, uh, worship and praising. And uh, we are so grateful for the facilities. I'm seeing this, actually, uh, I mean, from this vantage point uh, for the first time, uh, preaching here in this beautiful uh, place. Thank you for this uh, whole honor and privilege. Today, I've brought together, brought two students with me. The other two students are over the other side. They are students of our a business degree program. We recently partnered with an Australian Christian university to offer a, what in Malaysia would be called uh, in the past a twinning program, a double degree program, Bachelor of Business as well as Bachelor of Ministry. The plan uh, and the idea was to train people not just for uh, to serve within the four walls of the church but also to serve in a marketplace. Uh, and sometimes we complain about the marketplace. We say, oh, these people have no ethics, these people have no morals, and all these things. And, but um, what, are we go- what are we doing about it? Have we raised up people? Or have we abandoned that responsibility to secular people, to non-Christian people, to raise up our young people? And that was the idea in our mind when we partnered with this Christian university called Alpha Cruces. So these two students, one from China, another one from Papua New Guinea, I'd like them to come up here, introduce themselves, and uh, say what they're doing there at APTS. Come, come. Um, Esther and uh, Bill, uh, you can stand here. Oh, just come all the way up here. Uh, that's a strange feeling here, the anointing is here. Uh, um, so one is Esther, the other is Bill. I think you can guess which one is Bill, which one is Esther, huh? Okay, go ahead. Uh, good morning, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, my name is Bill, as Pastor e said. I'm from Papua New Guinea. Uh, it's quite far from Malaysia. Uh, we are just next to Indonesia. Yeah, so I'm in uh, Alva Cruces, ABTS. Uh, this is uh, my fourth year. We'll be graduating on March next year. Yeah. So this is... Uh, Part of our trip to Malaysia uh, is uh, uh, what you call uh, uh, exposure to a uh, lot of businessmen in Malaysia and also just to talk with them on a lot of uh, uh, entrepreneurs and business people who are Christians and also in the marketplace doing evangelism. So it's uh, helping us to understand uh, our future as uh, business leaders in the marketplace uh, what we can do and how effective we can be in the marketplace. So it's a wonderful journey, and uh, I thank Pasti for organizing it. So I'll give to Esther. She can also share. Good morning, everyone. My name is Esther. I'm from the central part of China. Uh, I'm very blessed to be here this morning. As Pasti has introduced, uh, we, uh, our Alpha Courses team, uh, we, we are the first batch, actually. We joined... Uh, FR Courses program at Asia Pacific Theological Seminary in the year of 2020. And uh, I really thank God for uh, these four years because we are, gradu- uh, we are graduating soon next, Mar- uh, next year, March. And um, without God's grace in, my, in our lives, we cannot do this. So we are really grateful and we are really grateful for Pastor Yi and for, uh, for providing this opportunity to visit uh, Malaysia. We've been here for almost three weeks and we are, we are traveling back uh, actually 
uh, next Tuesday. So um, we are here actually basically to uh, visit some Christian enterprises and business uh, just to see how Christians uh, do, main, uh, do business. And uh, I believe that uh, in this world, now in this society, we need more uh, Christian leaders in marketplace rather than only in, this, uh, only in the church. So, um, yeah, I'm very, blessed. I'm very blessed to be here this morning and nice to meet you all. God bless you all. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, Esther and Bill. Um, they have come here to visit Christian businesses, Christian organizations that uh, operate in a marketplace and help them see the potential that they have uh, in the marketplace. So uh, we are very grateful for many Christian businesses have uh, opened up their businesses for them to visit, host them, and allow them to see um, the challenges of being a Christian in the marketplace. And let me uh, tell you uh, from the uh, bottom of our hearts that we are, been, we are very grateful, my wife and I, for the many years of support that you, um, you stood by us, you helped us um, obey God's will. And none of us can obey God's will on our own. Uh, we always obey God's will in the context of God's mission for, the, for His kingdom. And that means working together with the rest of the church. And we are thankful for the church in Malaysia that have stood by us all these years. We serve at the Asia-Pacific Theological Seminary, uh, and we've been there for almost 20 years. Can you imagine? 20 years. My goodness, time has passed us by so quickly. Uh, we also serve at the Baguio International Chinese Church, which we founded. And about uh, the year 2020, as you all know, uh, we have, uh, in fact, our lockdowns in the Philippines is even more, more dramatic. Not only the mask, we have to wear a shield as well. And then when we go to town, even the pedestrians have one-way street. One-way street down, one-way street up, you know. Uh, so quite uh, dramatic. Uh, and we uh, went through the, the, the lockdowns. Uh, we had the first batch, you heard Esther say, of these students in 2020. We signed an agreement with the Australian University. We bit the bullet. We refused to let go because these were sent by their parents to study in the business degree program. We could have closed it down because we had the excuse of the lockdown. But we bit the bullet. We negotiated with our partners in Australia and continued classes with them online for about two and a half years. And we could not accept another new batch but as long as we have that agreement with the Australian University, we had to pay those uh, whatever fees you call because of our twinning arrangement. And just this year, we managed to get another batch because our agreement was face-to-face. -face. We cannot offer online because offer online will be competing with the principal school in Australia. And so the second batch is much more even diverse, diverse. We have Colombians, Japanese, uh, Koreans, uh, Myanmaris, and Filipino, uh, in, uh, and Chinese, uh, perhaps, in that same batch. Uh, pray for us. Pray for us as we move just beyond uh, this uh, seminary training. And this, they have come to our church uh, and made our church very international, actually. This is the Baguio International Chinese Church. And we have also... Um, uh, being affected by the lockdown and we've been online for two years and we are just like you 
trying to get people to come back home, uh, to church. Uh, we pray that those who are online and uh, for whatever reason that you're going to coming back to church, we want to challenge you to come back to church because uh, the church ministry cannot be just high tech. It has to be high touch as well. So we want to encourage you to come back to church. In fact, every Saturday, every Saturday in our prayer meeting, we are praying. This is our main request for churches all over the world, for Christians all over the world to come back to church. Because as the body of Christ gather, uh, we, we, we need to gather together in reality, not in virtuality. So I challenge you, those who have, uh, are able to come back, to come back to church. Uh, we have also um, been very, very active on um, the um, social media, largely because of the uh, lockdown. And we are on almost every social media platform uh, because we are reaching out to different nations. For example, we are reaching out to people in China and they cannot attend uh, through Facebook, they cannot attend through YouTube, they cannot attend through Twitter, but they can attend only through Zoom. That's why we have to have Zoom. Uh, and there are some places where people are more convenient with Twitter, so we are on Twitter as well. And now with young people, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all these are facing out. So we have to be on Instagram as well in some, at some point. Huh? So uh, please pray for us. And we do that also because we want our supporting churches to uh, pray for us in real time. Uh, so you don't, uh, you, you, you don't pray for us after the problem has passed. Uh, when we are facing the problem in real time, if you follow us on our social media, you know about us in real time. So please keep us in your prayer. Thank you for praying for us. There have been times where uh, my wife said uh, we would have died on the mission field. Uh, and a lot of times, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times it's because of my driving. Uh, but, uh, uh, and she said she felt the prayer of the people back home that have kept us and preserved us. Uh, God has been very gracious. Today I will have a very long message. Uh, very long message. I come here, uh, I don't come here often. So when I come here, I'm tempted to preach a few sermons at one time. Uh, <laughs> but don't worry, Pastor. Uh, I'm going to skip over some of this and I'm going to perhaps rush through. I have been preaching translated sermons uh, most times. Uh, my wife will preach in Chinese. I will translate for her into English or I'll preach in English and she will translate for me in Chinese for our international Chinese church. By the way, we are the only church in the city of Baguio that uses Chinese for our service. And now there are so many mainland Chinese in Baguio in the Philippines. Uh, if you were to go to Manila these days, there'll be whole sections of the uh, metropolitan Manila where you see only Chinese signboards, only Chinese uh, uh, shops. It's incredible how so many Chinese have gone, in, gone to the Philippines. Um, so uh, we have prayed for years for China. And now instead of us having to go to the mission field, God is bringing the mission field to our doorstep. So uh, let us take advantage of that. And that's why we have the Chinese service. We might be one of the very few uh, international Chinese churches. Most international churches are English-speaking. 
You go to China, you go to Africa, you go to even Europe, the international churches are English-speaking. Uh, but we may want be one of the few that are international Chinese church uh, using the mainland Chinese language. Uh, we uh, publicize ourselves as the church that worships God in the two most used languages in the world today, which is Mandarin and English. Uh, today, I want to share with you about what I call holistic Pentecostal missions. I'm speaking at a Pentecostal church, and Assemblies of God church. The text I've chosen is Acts chapter 2, uh, which is where we have based most of our Pentecostal theology. Our Pentecostal theology is founded on Acts chapter 2. That's why we call ourselves a Pentecostal church. Uh, the charismatic churches basically found their, Pentecostal, their theology uh, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to 14, where the word charismata appear. So that's why they're called charismatic churches. And that's why largely, um, for perhaps their theological basis, they have grown around the church. They have grown within the church because they have based their theology on a church issue that is um, that, that where 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 were talking about. Whereas Pentecostal theology is different. Pentecostal theology is founded in Acts chapter 2, where we have a harvest of nations presented for us in Acts chapter 2. So Pentecostal theology has this big difference from other theologies. We are focused on missions. You take away missions, no matter how much you speak in tongues, you are not Pentecostal. Because Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, uh, when the power of God comes upon us, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we will be witnesses among the nations. If you, if you only speak in tongue, you only know, uh, you, you've forgotten the purpose of, of Pentecostalism. If you want to remain a Pentecostal church, you must continue your focus on missions. And I want to thank God for the reports given earlier. This is indeed a Pentecostal church. Hallelujah. First, um, Acts chapter 2, verse 14 onwards say, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews. Today, I suppose I'm speaking to fellow Malaysians. I'm not speaking to people far away. I'm speaking to people that I identify with, people that I understand, people that I've grown up with. You know, Malaysians, I want you to know that God has placed you here in Malaysia for a purpose. I, 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 are there Filipinos here? No? Um, and I, I can speak freely even if there are Filipinos here because I've been there for 20 years. And I have to remind my Filipino friends that they do not forget that it was God who placed them there. Because most Filipinos grow up, uh, even when they're young, they've been planted with the seed thought of migrating, going overseas, finding a better life in America. I said, you have to think very carefully before you migrate. We have Malaysians too who have those thoughts. Think very carefully because there are many things in life we can choose. We can choose where to go to university. We can choose what job to take. We can choose what business to do. We can choose many things. We can even choose our wife and our husband. But there are some things that God chose for us. 
God chose for us to be born here, to be raised here. That was God's choice. And God never makes mistakes. So when we are placed here, God must have a purpose. Of course, some of us, God will call into a foreign mission field. But before we make those choices, we need to be very careful to think through many times. Because it was God who allowed you to be born in Malaysia. It was God who raised, allowed you to be raised up in Malaysia. And God never makes mistakes. Never. So fellow Malaysians and all of you who live uh, here, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. For Joel, it was the last days. For Peter, it was the last days. Now we are more than 2,000 years away from Peter's message. These are definitely the last days. These are definitely the last days. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Say, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. Today, I want to talk to you about a holistic Pentecostal mission. Pentecostalism embraces mission. Mission is a part of our Pentecostal theology, a part of our Pentecostal spirituality. Every true Pentecostal church must have missions in their, uh, in their DNA, in their, in their vision. And this mission is not just one-sided, one-dimensional. A holistic view of missions will cover both a vertical as well as a horizontal dimension of mission. We see that here in this verse. I will pour out my spirit on all people. We see a breath, a, a horizontal breath. All peoples, Chinese, Indians, Malays, Indonesians, Americans, Europeans, Africans, all peoples. That's a geographical breath. And then following that, your sons and daughters, there's also a generational vertical element. Not just all people, but through time as well. From one generation to another generation. Let me first start by talking about that geographical dimension of missions or the horizontal dimension. This is the earliest New Testament understanding. It's largely geographical. It is from one nation to another nation, from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a spatial, geographical dimension, a horizontal dimension. Uh, this is expressed uh, in the famous 1040 window. If we jump to that map that I have prepared there, you see um, before this, there's another map uh, that uh, I have uh, called the Huntington's Conflict of Civilization. Huntington is uh, quite a famous advisor to the American government as well as a historian, a um, sociologist, anthropologist. Samuel Huntington talks about how in 
future, and we are actually in his future, that wars will be fought not based on political borders, but wars will be fought based on ideological differences, religious differences in particular. And we are seeing that. People are fighting wars based on religious differences. And the ones where, he, and he built a map where you have all these religions. And if you look at the map, the one where they, they covers mostly all the non-Christian religious areas in a, is in a window called the 1040 window. Here in this window, 90% of the world's unreached people are located. So when some young people ask at me, Pastor, I'm called to missions, where should I go? What should I do? Uh, I tell them there is a 90% chance that God is calling you to one of these nations because 90% of the unreached people are in these nations. The whole of North Africa, almost the whole of Asia, especially the south, uh, southern part of Asia, and then almost all of Southeast Asia. It's a rough, uh, uh, be roughly between the 10 um, degree latitude and the 40 degrees latitude above the equator, the so-called 1040 window. And this is the place where we have the greatest transmigration of people. Uh, a lot of times, illegal transmigration. This low, la, 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 uh, the greatest movement of people in this 1040 window. Uh, recently, the mainland Chinese church have talked about what is called the, um, uh, the Back to Jerusalem movement. If you go back two slides before this, you have the so-called Back to Jerusalem movement. This Back to Jerusalem movement uh, really talks about what the Chinese church should do. God has given such great revivals to the Chinese church. Within probably just 40, 50 years, you see the church grow from almost nothing to some people say 200 million Christians. And they say, why? What are we supposed to do? And they believe that God is calling them westward because they read uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 to 27, especially verse 27. It says, for as lightning comes from the east, is visible even in the west. It seems like the lightning is travel westward, westward from east to west. And they see that as a calling for the church in China to go westward. And um, there is a man by the name of Sam, Simon Zhao. You see a picture of an old man there. He was jailed for 30... He, he was in Shandong, the easternmost province of China, when he felt the call of God to go westward. So he traveled with his wife walking most of the way, traveled westward, this is many years ago, until he came to the border of Xinjiang and he was arrested. They won't let him go anywhere outside of Xinjiang. And he was jailed for 33 years. He prayed and prayed and prayed. And, some, and when he was released, someone found out and invited him to speak in Anhui. And he told his story about how God gave him the so-called Back to Jerusalem movement. He believed that the Chinese church has a responsibility to bring the gospel westward all the way back to Jerusalem, passing through some of the most unriched nations of the earth, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, all these Stan countries, 
all the way back to Jerusalem. And he was not alone. There was another group of people called the Back to Jerusalem Evangelistic Band from another province called by God with that same vision. They didn't know each other to bring the gospel back to Jerusalem westward. The church has grown largely westward from Jerusalem to the European continent, through North Africa to the Iberian Peninsula of Spain and uh, Portugal. And from Spain and Portugal, the gospel was brought to South America westward. And from the European continent, it was brought to the British Isles westward. And from the British Isles to North America westward further. And now from the Americas, the gospel has been brought to our Pacific Rim here in Asia. The gospel has been moving westward. It seems like when the gospel has covered the entire uh, uh, globe, Jesus will come again. So what about Malaysia? How do we feature in this? Like I said, we choose many things in life, but there are things that were handed down to us. The color of our skin, the place where we are born, the place where we are raised up as a child. We didn't choose those things. God chose them for us. And God never makes a mistake. Malaysia, if you consider this nation, this beautiful nation, you remember the advertisement, Malaysia, truly Asia. Um, if you're Singaporeans here, or they may not so be so happy, but uh, anyway, uh, that's only an advertisement. Look at our national identity. The church here don't really represent Malaysia. Uh, we don't, we don't, uh, there's a majority group of people that's not here in the church. But if you consider our different cultures, we are quite interesting. We are what we call, what the anthropologists call a cellular society. Uh, the Chinese live in their own Chinese. I come from Jinjiang, all Chinese in the past, all Chinese. And now there is a, a little bit uh, more of a mixture. And even in Jinjiang, there's an Indian area. Uh, and uh, we have, of course, a Malay area. All these uh, are uh, um, like an enclave uh, among themselves, and they uh, preserve their culture. So in many ways, I'm very Chinese. Uh, actually, sometimes I'm more Chinese than Sister Esther here. Uh, she has forgotten a lot of the Chinese celebrations. Because after half a century of communist rule, many of these cultures have been removed. And when I go to China, I don't stick out like a sore thumb, like an American missionary. Uh, I tell people, if I go to China, go to a remote place, if I don't comb my hair for three days, I look exactly like them. <laughs> and when I speak, they say, Hey, quite uh, you, you, you very strange accent. All I need to say is, mm, mm, mm. All I say, I'm from the south, and that's it. You know? um, it's, uh, I can be a missionary to China without any problem. Uh, the only issue is the visa issue. Uh, same thing for India. We can be missionaries to India, especially those of us from the Indian community. You know, Malaysia stands in the middle of some of the world's largest countries. Three of the world's largest countries is in our vicinity. 
That's why these uh, preserved Chinese culture, preserved Indian culture, preserved Malay uh, culture, all these help us reach out to these three largest countries. The next map shows you, the next slide shows you the map where 1.5, 1.45 billion people live in the largest country in the world. Another, perhaps 1.4, maybe even 1.5, maybe even now have overgrown, I mean, outgrown China is the whole subcontinent of uh, the whole Indian country. And Indonesia is the world's fourth largest country. The largest country in the world, the second largest country in the world, the fourth largest countries in the world are all in our neighborhood. The largest Muslim countries are not in the Middle East. They are here in our neighborhood. Indonesia, Pakistan, Bangladesh. My goodness, we don't even have to go there. They are in our neighborhood also. I mean inside our country. You go to Puchong, there's a few Pakistanis playing cricket there every afternoon. They are here in our neighborhood. No wonder the um, missionaries call Malaysia the land among the giants. We can reach these unreached countries like no other people can. Why has God blessed Malaysia? Is it because we are better? Is it because our government is better? No, it's because God has a purpose for us. And that geographical horizontal, spatial dimension of missions. But there's also another dimension of missions that is not talked about so much. And that's the vertical dimension. It says there in verse 17, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Not only you, but your sons and your daughters will prophesy. These generational missions, this vertical dimension of missions was a later understanding in the church. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, when Paul was facing the last days of his life, he told Timothy, hand down what I have taught you to other people that will hand down to others. Paul began to see there is a vertical dimension in the work that we do. Recently, there is a vision called the 414 window. This one is... Um, a, a, um, a generational window. A, not geographical, but generational. Not spatial, but time. It is a vertical dimension. 414 window. The 4 and 14 uh, refers to the ages between 4 and 14. It seems that the... the, the um, the people, the, uh, the research shows that people who become Christians largely have become Christians between the ages of 4 and 14. 85%, this is North American statistics, but I think there is some parallelism with other countries as well. Uh, most people became Christians between the ages of 4 and 14, except the Christ. So that's why they created this window called the 414 window. I come from Jinjiang. The gospel came to me in the most gracious way. Some of you have, I think all of you from Malaysia have heard of this village called Jinjiang. Uh, and 
there, in those days, 50 years ago, there was really no Christian witness. But the gospel came to us in the most gracious way. And I got saved. The first one in the Yi clan to become a Christian. How sad it would be if it stopped with me. How sad it would be if my sons, I have three boys, forsook the faith. It took so much grace for God to bring the gospel to me. I have a responsibility to bring it to the next generation. In Acts chapter 16, verse 31, we find a story of Paul, Silas, and the Philippian jailer. And when the Philippian jailer wanted to kill himself, seeing that the prisoners have escaped, Paul and Silas say, uh, don't kill yourself. And the Philippian jailer say, what am I assigned to, to be saved? And they say, believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. And not only you, not only you, you and your household. Have you claimed that promise? Some of us have claimed that promise. Oh, I, pr I pray for my parents. I pray for my household to be saved. But this promise wasn't really given to me directly. It wasn't given to you directly. It was given to the Philippian jailer. And for us to qualify for that promise, we need to maybe theologize a little bit. First of all, we need to be clear that the same God who made the promise to the Philippian jailer would make the promise to us. And because He is the same yesterday, today and forever, I believe that He will make the same promise to me as well. But then for me to claim that promise, I must have some parallel circumstances. I'm willing to pay the same price. The Philippian jailer took Paul and Silas to his home. You know, he took a great risk bringing prisoners to his home. And he dressed the wounds of the Philippian jailer. He took care of them. He fed them. He allowed them, presumably, to preach to the family, to be in the household. Now, we cannot just claim the promise until we are able to do the same thing. Would you bring the preachers to your home? Would you dress the wounds of your pastor? Would you say good things about your pastor when you are at home? Or would you, instead of dressing the wounds of your pastor in front of your family members, you roast your pastor in front of family members? It's only when we are able to do the same thing, are willing to do the same thing that the Philippine jail has done, that we are able to bring the gospel into our home and claim this promise that not only will I be saved, but my family will be saved. My father became a Christian towards the end of his life. Most of his life, he was a gambler. He was a policeman who owned gambling dens. Interesting guy. Uh, he would own gambling dens, but he won't take any bribe. He's very clear about that. And he won't let any of his children take part in gambling. He said a gambler will never be a happy man. Even if he wins, he will still feel dissatisfied because in his mind will always be the thought that he could have won some more if he stayed longer. 
He'll never be satisfied. He was um, very clear uh, about his values and everything. And he would come to church when I was pastoring. Because I'm the senior pastor, the leaders of the church will drag him out when there's evangelistic meeting. And then say, hey, uncle, your, your son is a pastor, you should become a Christian or so. And then he's very kind, you know. He said, okay, you know, and then he would say the sinner's prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life, forgive me of my sins. And I don't know how many times he has said that prayer because every parent's day, he would come to support his, 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 uh, his son. And sometimes you feel like, oh, just leave him alone. He probably, you know, how many times do you need to, uh, to say that prayer before you get saved? How many times? One time enough already. One time. Out of the many times he said, one time genuine, enough already, he go to heaven already. So when he had cancer and uh, towards the end of his life, we thought, let's not bother him. Uh, let's not like scare him to go to heaven. Huh? Uh, say, oh, uncle, no, my, actually my church members doing it already. I don't need to scare him. My church members come to visit, Uncle, if you, if you don't uh, accept Christ, you don't become a Christian, huh? afterwards, you, all your children in heaven. You know? Then you are left alone there. You know? And so, he said, okay, okay, then he'll pray. You know? But we are not sure whether he's a real Christian or not. Uh, until about a week before he passed away, he asked my brother to come over to the hospital to uh, baptize him. On his own accord. Because we believe that even if he's not baptized, he can go to heaven because he said the sinner's prayer. But he chose, he asked, I want to be baptized. So just a week before he passed away, if you look at the next picture, not very happy picture, but uh, anyway, uh, this is uh, where my father and mother are buried. My mother became a Christian a little earlier, much earlier actually, and my father towards the end of his life. And uh, because he asked for the water baptism, we felt that this, this must be something genuine and real. And today I want to take the liberty of speaking on his behalf. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 says, By faith Abel uh, was uh, still speak even though he is dead. So I'm going to bring a dead man here to speak today. Uh, uh, if I, my, there's some, a couple of pictures of my father's baptism uh, in the hospital. This is my brother. Uh, he happened to be around. And so my father asked, for water baptism on his own accord. And I'm wondering if he has a chance to stand before us today, what would he say to us? What would he say to us? I'm so grateful that my father got saved. And I think those of us from our generation, much of our focus has been upwards, trying to reach our parents with the gospel. Uh, and today, there is uh, this felt need to reach downwards as well. Uh, the so-called next-gen. Uh, I don't really like the word next because the word next always suggests that not your time yet. Wait. Uh, in our time, there was no next-gen. It was the-gen. We are the-gen. We are always in the midst of ministry. Uh, we did not need someone over us to pamper us into ministry. For us, we are the generation. Uh, and, but now, there is a felt need to go and reach down to the next gen. And when my father got saved, we were so excited. 
he's going to go to heaven. Now, if he were to be here today, I think he would say these few things to us. I think he would tell us, heaven is real. My goodness, when he went there and he saw with his own eyes the beauty and the glory of heaven, I think he must have been overwhelmed. You know, any one of us, even if we believe in heaven, when we get to heaven, we will be overwhelmed. Because the book of Revelation says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. What is described in the book of Revelation is describing something that no human being has ever heard, no human being has ever seen. So how do you describe it in human words? So when we get to heaven, we will be surprised. We'll be surprised at the beauty of heaven. I think he wants to say to us, it is true, it is real, it is beautiful, it's glorious. If you are not a Christian yet in our midst, if you are not sure whether you're going to heaven yet, I want you to know, my father wants you to know that it is real, it is true, it is beautiful. Make sure you don't miss the boat. Make sure you say this prayer. Then the next slides, you have this prayer. Make sure you say this prayer. Say it with all of your heart. Mean it with all of your heart. So that you won't miss out on heaven. It's a very simple prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. But if you mean it with all of your heart, your place in heaven will be assured. My father must have been surprised at what he saw. Secondly, my father would want probably to express to all of us the regret he felt when he went to heaven. He must have really regretted. The Bible says, God will wipe away all tears. Perhaps when we get to heaven, there will be tears. There will be tears of regret. Tears that only God can wipe away. You know, sometimes we look at my father's testimony and say, Oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, God saved last minute. Uh, I, I remember one um, uh, story of uh, one of the pastors in Malacca told me uh, how his member... Uh, a lady who has a really ungrateful husband. And when this lady goes to church, the husband will curse, the husband will abuse her, and then finally the husband got sick. Terminal cancer. And this husband was such a terrible man. Even though the wife took care of him, he's bedridden, he was still cursing and angry and everything. But finally, in the last moments of his life, he got saved. He got saved. Miraculously saved. And the pastor told me, that lucky devil. Mm. <laughs> but I told him, he's not lucky. He's most unfortunate. He had 70 years of opportunities. Lost! 70 years of life on earth, lost. Some of us are preparing for heaven. And in the midst of that preparation, we forgot that our time on earth is only once, once. My father probably regretted when he saw heaven. He had his network of friends. He had his relatives. You know, he, he was really a very social person. He was uh, able to influence so many people. 
He could have done so much for the kingdom of God. But he lost all those opportunities in his 75 years of life on earth. He would have regretted. He would probably tell Jesus, Jesus, please, please send someone to tell, tell my relatives, tell my family members so that they will live their life in a right way so that they will accept you as Lord and Savior. And Jesus must have given the same answer that he gave to the rich man in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. If they don't believe those people who are around them, if they don't believe the witnesses that have planted around them, even if I send angels, they won't believe. Today my father is saying to you, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. All the resources, all the blessings, all the circles of influence God has given to you. I'm 65 years old. Recently, I celebrated my 50th anniversary as a Christian. I became a Christian when I was 13 years old. I told Jesus when I was 13 years old, Lord, I give you my everything. All I have, you are my Lord and my Master. Everything I have belongs to you. It was very easy to say, 13 years old, because everything is nothing. No car, no house, no job, no degree. Girlfriend also don't have. Very easy to say. Now after 50 years of blessings, after 60 years of blessing upon blessing upon blessing, I have so much more than I had when I was 13 years old. Would I be able to say that same prayer? Lord, I give you my all. I give you my everything. My father would say to you, don't waste your life. Invest in the things that are precious. There is that geographical, spatial, horizontal dimension in missions. Get involved in it. And I'm thankful your church is involved in it. There are places that have never heard the name Jesus. A Filipino missionary was in a border area between Laos and Cambodia, preaching the gospel. He told me, he said when he talk, talked about Jesus, some, one of the Laotian there nearby said, who is Jesus? Is he your country's president? In this day and age, there are still people who have never heard the name Jesus. Invest in that. Invest in the vertical dimension, the 414 window. Make sure that your next generation continue in the spiritual blessing that you've inherited. Invest in them. Have a holistic understanding of missions. All of the witnesses in heaven are cheering you on. Come on, don't waste your life. How we wish we have another year. How we wish we have another 10 years, another 5 years, another opportunity. Because what we see in heaven is real. People need to hear the good news.